Hey everyone, welcome to the Psych Sideshow Podcast. We made this podcast to develop our curiosity and yours. And we imagine ourselves as keen experimentalists when researching and implementing protocols. And hope you can imagine yourself as that as well. Our thoughts and views are aligned with the knowledge of an undergraduate student and it's not meant to be taken as professional advice in any sense. But join us chaotic beings in this journey of self-discovery as long as it is in a safe and informed manner. We We hope hope you enjoy enjoy this episode. Hello everyone, welcome to the Psych Sode Show. Today we've got a very special episode. Uh, today we are with the wonderful Tom Denson, a professor at the University of New South Wales, who's an experimental psychologist who primarily looks into causes, consequences, and prevention of anger-driven aggression. It's really nice to meet you, Tom Denson. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. I guess we'll jump right into the first question. Uh, I feel a lot of university students can be confused about what they want to do, so I'd like to discuss your journey into psychology research and how did you discover what you were interested in? Yeah, so like the university system is a little different in the U.S., um, so you don't actually have to decide what you're going to study until the sort of latter half, so it's a four-year degree and when you're in your third year, you usually have to declare a major. Um so I took lots of different courses. I looked at um, anthropology, sociology, um, you know, various history courses. Uh, I just really liked a lot of different things. And finally, I just thought, well, I'm doing pretty well at psychology, so <laughs> um, why not? Why not? You know, make this my major. Um, and I did, and and I'm glad I did because I I went on and took a few more courses. And I was at the very end of my um, uh, of my uh, time at the university. Um, when I took a social psychology course and that in that course in in the textbook there was a chapter on aggression all the social psychology textbooks have chapters on aggression and that for me was a real eye-opener because I saw that oh you could really study this stuff experimentally Um, and it's not just you know people sort of pontificating about what makes people aggressive or not you could actually conduct experiments and find out or or how do you prevent aggression you could do experiments and do that as well Um, so that's really how I got into it um, and then after that, decided to go on and do a master's and a PhD. Ah, did you always kind of have an interest in aggression when you were young, or was it just when you kind of saw the textbook? Yeah, I mean, I think all all American boys have some interest in aggression. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I used to we used to play, you know, with with um, you know toy guns and and uh, you know violent video games and all that stuff was was in violent movies. Arnold Schwarzenegger was the big hero at the time, so. I was definitely interested in that kind of stuff, um, but whether that translates into what I'm doing today, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> um, but, it, but definitely, having you know taken that course, the social psychology course, and reading the textbook, that was that was the eye opener for me. Yeah. Oh, that's really yeah. Because I've actually uh, I went through some of your papers, and I saw that you have looked into uh, violent video games. Yeah. Yeah. So we've been doing some some work on that. Um, we're we're sort of we're sort of not not getting mired in the debate of whether violent video games cause violence in the real world or not. We're actually just trying to understand why do people love them so much because uh, they're uh-huh. incredibly popular and, and they make billions and billions of dollars selling these video games, um, and people just just love them so much. So we've got a, a theoretical model built around that, trying to explain why people love violent video games. Have you found Have you found anything yet? 
Yeah, so so people get lots of benefits from playing these games. So they feel like they're more dominant. They feel tougher. They feel physically stronger um, when they when people play these games. Um, they choose to play them in situations where it, it's helpful to feel stronger. Um, so um, so people who, who play violent video games, they also feel like they have better what we call mate value. So they think they're actually a better romantic partner, and they feel sexier to they. Uh, to to potential romantic partners and that sort of thing. Oh, that's interesting. So if, essentially, video games, violent video games, make people feel tough and sexy. Is the is the bottom line? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard. Uh, I've just kind of heard a few things about uh, video games and why people play them as well. A lot of it kind of like a simulated social hierarchy where you can always be the winner. Yeah, Something like that. Is it kind of similar to that? Or was it completely different? <laughs> yeah, no, it's very similar. So people try to climb up these hierarchies, right? And in in psychology, we call them dominance hierarchies. So mm. you want to sort of be better than the others than the rest. And that's clear. That's clearly something that you can do. You can fulfill that need with, with violent video games, um, and you can expand it. So most games are played socially, right? So people are playing with with groups of people. And they they can expand this into like um, you know into an intergroup kind of situation as well. So, but all, all these things they they go back to evolution and and just how we're hardwired to achieve dominance and to achieve dominance in groups as well. So play against other other groups and so on. Mm-hmm. So it's, essentially, it's an extension of this idea of, of like play fighting, which all children do. You know, they form groups and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I find that that's one of the reasons why I love studying psychology is because there's so many internal mechanisms that we don't even know what's going on. And they're, <laughs> they're always like underneath everything and influencing what we do and how we react to situations. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's, that's a big part of psychology is trying to figure that out. What are these underlying motivations and so on? Yeah. Because, I mean, the simple answer is, well, why, why do people like violent video games? The simple answer is they're fun, right? Yeah, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot more going on under underneath the the bonnet, as they say. Yeah, of course. Uh, alrighty. Um, I think, yeah, I think we have uh, enough time for this. Um, let's talk uh, maybe quickly about the overarching types of violence. Yeah. So, uh, kind of what you were talking about in your um lecture, and maybe like a brief overview. There were four, I believe. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's different, different forms of aggression. So aggression, we need to differentiate between anger and aggression because a lot of people, especially like in the media, they'll use the terms interchangeably. Yeah. Anger is just the emotion that you feel when someone has mistreated you or someone you love. And aggression is actually behavior where you're intending to hurt another person. Um, So within, within that, we can think about um, different types of aggression. Um, So so the, the most simple type is what we call reactive aggression. That's like you get angry and you, you punch someone, right? Um, there's other types of aggression, such as indirect aggression. And that's like gossiping, spreading rumors. And the idea there is there's a very low detection that you get caught, but it can be quite harmful, damaging people's reputations and so on. Uh, so it's less directly confrontational than, you know, punching someone in the face or shouting at them. Um, and then another type of aggression is called instrumental aggression, and that's really not characterized by a lot of anger at all. In fact, it's usually you're just trying to achieve a goal. So you might be, you can think about the classic example is like war. War is like this, right? You're out to achieve goal, to destroy the 
uh, enemy's ability to make war, take their resources, etc. Um, so on a more interpersonal level, it could be like a robbery, right? So you, you use violence to actually just steal something from another person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then violence is actually a type of aggression as well. But it's we violence is reserved in in um, in psychology to describe um, um, extreme physical harm, right? So murder, um, you know, being stabbed, etc. Yeah, rape, and so okay. on. So, would I suppose the different like reactionary? It's very much like if something does, if someone does something bad to you, then you do it to them back. Uh, yeah. instrumental you said it doesn't have to actually involve anger could it no. just be like kind of a group thing like organized yeah, aggression against someone yeah it could be very very cold-blooded um you know mafia hitman would be an example um yeah. where they're they're trying to obtain a, a goal there and they'll use violence but they may not actually be upset themselves and is there i suppose uh something i want to briefly touch on uh is there any like preferences in types of aggression and gender yeah so so um so so in aggression there are differences in anger there are no differences so men and women get equally angry um and and uh, we all have that that architecture the neural architecture to become angry Um, and that's actually a, a useful thing or has been traditionally in our ancestral past but what's less useful is today in today's world is becoming aggressive and hurting other people yeah. Uh, there's lots of negative consequences that go along with that. Um, but men tend to prefer more direct forms of aggression. So verbal aggression um, and uh, physical aggression, whereas women tend to prefer more um, indirect methods of aggression. So again, with that, with that low likelihood of being caught um, because um, w- women are, are average, are, are smaller than men, men are, are, are larger. And so there's more of a risk there if a woman gets caught and has to engage in, you know, direct physical aggression, for instance, against a man. Um, mm. So, yeah, so that's sort of the reasons that people think um, that explain those gender differences. Ah. And what would be some examples of, because I feel like direct aggression is kind of very obvious, like punching someone, trying to hurt someone, but what would be an example of indirect uh, aggression? Yeah, so it would be like um, spreading rumors about a call a colleague to maybe get them fired. That would be a, mm. a, a, sort of a classic example. Something I've also uh, was really interested to ask is, what is some misinformation around aggression that maybe people should be aware of and careful of? Yeah, so one thing is, so in terms of anger to start with, um, people always ask me, like the media, they always ask, you know, are people getting, are we getting more and more angry? Or even they'll just assume that we're getting more and more angry. And the fact is that we're not. Um, and we, we don't actually have those data even to, to, to figure it out. But if you, if you infer from the violence statistics, you'll see that violence has been going down. We're at the absolute safest time to be alive in the world, in most parts of the world, um, because violent, violent crime is so low right now. It's, in, it's, a, it's like record lows. Um, and it's been going down and down and down for, you know, centuries, essentially. Um, so that's a myth that, you know, the world is a scary place. And if you go outside, you're going to get robbed or beaten. Um, and that's the media loves to tell these stories and they focus on these yeah. stories because they're so unusual. Right. When someone gets murdered, it's you hear about almost every murder in Australia because it's just unusual. Um, yeah. So is yeah. this uh, seen like 
all across the world that uh, aggression and anger is well aggression has gone down yeah most most places yeah in the western world for sure um but also in other places as well so there there will periodically be flare-ups and so on like you can look and see in israel right now would have a very high yeah palestine would have a very high um, homicide rate at the moment um so that things do flare up but on average if you take the long view you know looking back over 100 years you'll see that um, violence is really low right now and at, at record low um, in many, many places. So whenever you, you, you start to look, you know, the, the misinformation is the media, right? When they say, um, you know, when they just try to blow things out of proportion and create this feeling like like the world is really scary, um, when in fact it's not. So, I mean, of course it's tragic when someone gets murdered, yeah, um, but it's the likelihood that it's going to happen to you is, is incredibly small. And is the decrease in aggression because of, I guess, cons- more consequences now, like through like government restriction and laws, or is it something else? You know, there's a lot of speculation around that, and I don't think anyone knows. Um, people think about maybe we're training our children better to be better anger regulators. I think that's probably true. Um, people talk about having better nutrition now um, and drinking less. So there's a lot of things that are are that go into that, um, you know, calculus to determine what, what makes, you know, cause you just have, we just have one statistic, right? These homicide rates, yeah. um, but there's a lot that goes into those. Um, yeah. Sorry. I don't think I answered your question. It was, <laughs> what was it? <laughs> oh, what was oh. the, what were the causes of that? Yeah. 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 Is it like, cause of consequences and laws and like jail time now through like government? I mean, we, we've had those for a long time, but yes, definitely when you, when you see, if you go back in like the, the ancestral record and you see when, you know, these institutions start popping up, you see crime rate goes way down. Um, so yeah. there's definitely something about the police that is, is a good, it's good to have, um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and legal systems and so on where people do get punished for behaving uh, violently. Um, yeah, so those those institutions are definitely necessary, and and uh, you'll see that violence is lower in places where those institutions are strong. So meaning like there's less corruption in the police and so on. Ah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, and uh, another from your lecture about uh, misinformation about uh, the effectiveness of rumination. Mm. I found because I feel like uh, you know. Uh, sometimes we're like kind of told to ruminate uh, or like think about, think things through things that we're angry about and stuff like that. Uh, what, what is your research uh, found in that? Yeah. So, yeah. so people tend to think that when they're provoked and then they ruminate about it, which is like going over and over in your head of what happened, why did this happen? That sort of thing. People tend to think that that um, is a good thing and that that's going to help them really work through the problem. But in fact, you're not really solving any problems. You're just going over and over in your head and rehashing it and thinking about, oh, that person made me so angry. I'm so angry right now. Um, and that's not helpful because you're just really spinning your wheels. Um, so, but, but it does feel good. People feel like it's accomplishing something, uh, but it's not. And in fact, in, in our experiments, we see that when people ruminate, they get more aggressive. They, ang- they stay angry for longer. Um, you know, just, and they have like higher blood pressure. Um, so yeah, it's it's not really the best thing you can do. Um, better Does alternative. that include uh, like uh, writing things down, like ruminating, like because I would imagine a lot of people that might get angry might like write in a diary of what they're angry about. Yeah, so it just depends on how you're doing that writing. So if you're if you're writing and you're really just rehashing things over and over again, 
you know, venting, that's not good. But if you're actually trying to maybe do a little bit of an analysis and try to look at it maybe from a more objective perspective or, you know, think about it in a less personal way, then that could be helpful. And that that's known as expressive writing and that can be um, helpful uh, in some situations. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess linking into the next question, uh, what would you say would be some helpful, I guess, tips for people to use who are like feeling angry and like, could you explain more about how maybe reappraising uh, a situation could decrease anger rather than increase it, like writing it down? Yeah. So, so reappraising is really thinking about, um, you know, the anger inducing situation in a way that you don't take it so personally. Um, so you can imagine yourself, you know, having this altercation with someone and you can imagine yourself from like a third person perspective or imagine like a, uh, you know, a, a neutral observer walked by, like, what would they think about the situation? Um, <laughs> so in, in this, in these kinds of ways, then you can also think about some, maybe some positive things that you've learned if, because sometimes when people get angry with us, like there's good reason for that and we could learn mm-hmm. from that. Um, so there's these positive things, taking it less personally and that sort of stuff is really helpful. Now that's really hard to do in the moment when you're really angry, it's really hard to do, yeah. um, but it can, you can do it later. So maybe you remove yourself from the situation and do it later. If you really want to calm down in the moment, the uh, distraction is the best way. So distraction is just doing something that is either p- pleasant or neutral, but it still takes up your cognitive effort. So this could be, you know, playing, you know, words with friends or, um, you know, doing something like that, listening to some music that you really enjoy. Um, and that's useful too, for getting anger to go down really quickly. Um, so, but then if you really want to process the event and it's something that's really bothering you and it's someone you maybe have to see like a family member or a boss or something like that, or a friend, uh, then reappraisal is better for that just to work through things. Yeah. So what, what would be a specific example of, uh, I guess what you could write to do reappraisal of like a situation? Yeah. So you can, you can, you can write about the, the event in a third person. Yeah. So, you know, Tom and Lucian, you know, were arguing over this or that, um, you know, Lucian said this, Tom <laughs> said that, you know, that even just that getting that oh, yeah. third person perspective will be helpful. Um, mm. And you could also just see, you don't even have to write about it. You could just imagine yourself having this, this conflict, you know, as if someone, as if you were floating above yourself and the other person or whatever. And that gives you that distance as well. So it's all about getting that distance and not taking things personally. And whatever whatever you can do that works for you, that's that's good if it'll work. Oh, okay. So I guess dis- distancing yourself from maybe your own emotion at that time and writing that down as uh, without I guess thinking about how much anger you're feeling for like a boss or a friend or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh. Yeah, so just focusing on the anger is rumination, and that's not going to get you anywhere. So. Alrighty, thanks so much for telling us about aggression. Yeah, thank you.